Welcome back. I'm not doing the three welcomes because this is technically not a new episode. This is part two of our gambling awards preview with Brandon Anderson from the Action Network. Brandon, say hi to the audience that I'm sure has missed you so much over the last 24 hours. Hi, everyone. I missed you, too. I'm so glad to be back. I got a couple drinks of water. I'm ready to go. Let's win some more money. It's been a little bit more than two minutes. I want to say it's been like five. I had to move to a different desk. It's been a little bit of a thing. But for the most part, this is we're counting this as one episode split into two parts. So in part one, if you didn't listen, we covered MVP. um, No, we didn't cover six men of the year. We covered MVP, coach of the year and most improved. We are going to go through all the other awards and a couple of other bets that we think are good value for you coming into the season. But let's start with Defensive Player of the Year. I feel pretty strongly about two candidates. I have Anthony Davis plus 700, Draymond Green at plus 2000. What do you think about those two before we dive into everybody else? Yeah, so you got the one that really you got the two that I like the most, although Anthony Davis. So Anthony Davis, I see at a thousand at MGM. So that, that you can get a little bit better odds there. Davis to me is the very obvious play in a good way. The Lakers defense should be great. I don't know if it's going to be quite as great as it was last year. Like you've talked about with some of the losses they had to me, the problem with Anthony Davis, and I actually thought about bringing him up on MVP as well, just because I think that Anthony Davis is going to have a season of all-star games. Like think about Davis in an all-star game when he goes like 14 to 15 from the field and just dunks 10 times. I think that's what his season is going to be with Westbrook and LeBron, just giving him easy buckets over and over and over again. My problem with him on either of those is I just don't trust the health. I, I just, I can't bet on it because I can't bet on him to stay healthy. He played 36, 62 and 56 games the last three years. It's just not enough. And so I get the case. The defense will be great. They're going to win a lot of games. I think there'd be an obvious sentiment of like, well, he's he's the league's best defender. How have we not given him the award yet? It all makes sense to me. I can't bet it because I don't trust him to, to be on the court. Draymond, a, yeah, go, oh, go well, ahead. Let's go on Davis for a little bit. That's entirely reasonable. I wouldn't fault anybody for not making that bet. I do think that if he does stay mostly healthy and mostly healthy for him is different than mostly healthy for other guys. Like when they won the championship, like he did miss games here and there, but he was mostly available. I do think there's going to be some sort of like apology narrative where it's like, we should have given it to him in 2020. We didn't. So here we go. I personally picked Giannis and I stand by that, but I do think there are going to be voters that think that way. I'm a little worried that they're just going to be so bad in the backcourt defensively. They're not going to be able to stop any dribble penetration. But if they're playing centers with him, that's a problem on offense. That's going to be really good on defense. And Frank Vogel kept the defense afloat last year, even when LeBron and Davis were out. So even with those losses, like Frank Vogel plus LeBron James plus Anthony Davis equals very good defense. I feel pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, I do too. And so let me let me make a crazy counter case to your Anthony Davis case. This is an award that I'm convinced I would have had a shot at last year. I played it at the perfect moment that ended up being the not perfect moment. Right about uh, the middle, maybe 60% of the way through the season, I looked at the Lakers. I saw their awesome defense. I thought, man, that's the team that the defensive player of the year should come from. If it's, if it's not Embiid or Gobert, if they fall off or get injured, as both those guys do, it should be a Laker. I don't trust Anthony Davis. Hey, you know who we've never given defensive player of the year to? Oh, and he wants you to know about that, by the way. Oh, he wants you to know. Yeah. That is the single award that he's maddest that he doesn't have. Like, 
Absolutely. More than the 2011 MVP, more than the 2020 MVP. He has straight up said, yeah, we signed Marcus Gasol. He has my defensive player of the year at home. And by the way, he's warranted. <laughs> he should have won that defensive player of the year. I think there was a real case for that last year. Like, he was not as good on offense as people gave him credit for. He was incredible on defense yeah. for them last year. And it's not as flashy because outside of the playoffs, he's generally not like manning up against the other team's best player. He is an otherworldly help defender. Yeah, he, I, I really feel that I got robbed on that. A couple of other betting insiders that I know, independently of me, I found out made the same push I did, like almost to the day, to the point that like we single-handedly moved the line. Like my bet that went in, it got rejected at first because the, the casino was like, wait, 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 wait. Are we sure we want to take all this money on LeBron? That seems like a bad idea. And that was what happened, I assure you, more so with the other guys than with my bankroll. Um, but yeah, I... I, so LeBron right now is not even on the books as an option for defensive play of the year at most places. I looked around today trying to find him. I did find him at points bet at 66 to one. So I'm just saying it's the same case this year. It's, it's the case is the Lakers defense is awesome. And look, the Lakers defense stayed awesome, even though Anthony Davis missed a bunch of games. So guess what? That means it wasn't just Anthony Davis. The one constant is LeBron, who is there. And I know he missed some time, too. I just feel like Defensive Player of the Year, like Gobert should win, but he's not going to. He's won yeah. three of the last four. We're sick of voting for him. And everyone, he's, it's the honest thing from last year. He's not going to win because we don't want him to be four in five years. That's like all-time great status, and no one's ready to crown him with that yet. They choked in the playoffs again. At least that's what the media will say. He's not going to win. So that leaves value here, and I, I don't think we're going to give Giannis a second one. I think the first one was good and deserved, but I don't think we're going to give him a second. Miles Turner, eh. Drew Holiday, a guard. Yeah, Ben Simmons, I don't know what team he's going to be That's, on. Yeah. So I, I, I don't love the other names here. I feel like there's value to get the right guy. So let's come back to the other guy you mentioned. That's the one I love, and that's Draymond Green. He so, finished third last year and he's 20 to one. 20 to one. What book is that? Because I got 33 to one at FanDuel but, right now. I'm not shopping around enough. I didn't, when I was researching, I literally <laughs> just looked at DraftKings, but you're right. Like this is ludicrous. It's, he, it's insane. I, I, you, and I said the same thing last year. I, I kept pounding the drum for Draymond. The Warriors finished as a top five defense last year. The Warriors. Who else on that team it's made him a Wiggins good defense? Everybody else was bad. And I'm not just talking about bad. I'm talking about, like, we talked about this bad. with Curry and MVP. They played so many G League caliber guys, like, real minutes last year, and they were a top five defense. Like, think about what it's going to mean just to replace those minutes with Otto Porter. And when Clay comes back, like, there's yep. going to be real confidence. Wiseman will be better. I would argue, like, Anthony Davis is the one player, like, you have, it's a game of seven, who's the defensive player you take. You want a healthy Anthony Davis. Draymond is second, right? Maybe Giannis. I mean, I think it depends on the roster between those guys, but that's the conversation. Those are the guys. And like the same way that we're saying, man, LeBron has never won defensive player of the year. Anthony Davis has never won it. I think that the same conversation is shouldn't Draymond have more than one of these awards. This dude is the defender of our generation. Rudy Gobert has three and Draymond has one. Get out of here. Draymond is the defender that has like redefined the way that teams play defense in the NBA. And 
if the Warriors have that one more great run in them, then I think Draymond definitely gets in the conversation. I think 33 to one or 20 to one are, are insane numbers. I think that he should be, you know, top three, four or five candidate at least. What was the single best defensive game any player played this season? I would argue it was Draymond in the playing game against the Lakers. Maybe you could pick a Giannis finals game. Other than that, like the level Draymond can still get to, like, I'm sorry, just uh, there are very few guys ever who can get to that. Like, that dude was everywhere in that Lakers game. Like, yep. I I think there is a strong argument to be made that he's, other than Davis, the single defender you'd want in a big game. Like, And the other thing is, like, they're competing for a championship again, right? Like, the stakes are back. When does Draymond do well when there are high stakes? Yeah, I agree. And, and like, frankly, you mentioned Wiggins as the other decent defender on the team. Draymond gets credit for that, too. I'm a Timberwolves fan. Andrew Wiggins was a trash can on defense. And I'm not giving that to culture. Draymond is the culture. Draymond took Andrew Wiggins and made him a respectable defender. We should give an award just for that. I have one more candidate that relies on a Ben Simmons trade. If Simmons is gone, how many minutes does Matisse Thibel get? <laughs> yeah, I, I, tr- I wrote him in my like, what? Why, is his odds, why are his odds so high? And then in that process, and I was like, oh, man, if he gets enough minutes, that would be interesting. The problem is... I think the same problem that Simmons had, which is that Joel Embiid is still on the team and we give Embiid so much credit that I don't know if, if Matisse can get there, but my, my sweet, sweet Matisse, no one is more fun to watch defend than him. That dude is everywhere. His instincts and his ability to like cut into passing lanes and just show up out of nowhere. It's insane. I loved watching him scouting for the draft and I loved him going to Philadelphia because he gets to like play free safety on that team basically and just do all the things that his instincts allow him to do. So I, I got to be honest, he, he did make all defense this year, right? Wasn't he second? And he played team? less than half of the minutes, right? He played like 22 yeah, minutes. So it's, I, I think that that was a little absurd personally. Like you got to play like, I agree. You, you gotta, you gotta get enough minutes. Like, you, you know, he's got to get better at offense in order to earn the minutes to be out there to have his defense be valuable. This is not who is a really good defender. This is who was valuable on defense. You got to be on the court for that to matter. Like we don't well, give awards to offensive guys who suck so much on defense that they never play. Like that's that's not how we go. So I think that was a little too far. I love Matisse though. I would love to see it. While we're on this subject, this is my real problem with somebody like Thibel. And I made the same argument against Alex Caruso. So this is not specific to Matisse Thibel. Imagine how good Drew Holiday could be on defense if he didn't have to score 20 points a game, right? Yeah. Like the amount of energy he has to expend on offense or that Anthony Davis has to expend on offense or et cetera, et cetera, is so much higher that I'm sorry. Like it's the, the field isn't level here. Like it's just yeah. easier for Matisse Seibel to be going on defense than those guys, yeah, and, which is and, why. Yeah. And, and Drew Holiday only has to play 20 minutes now too, by the way, yep, because that's that too. And too. So now you get to increase your intensity for every play, every single moment of the game that matters too. Exactly. So that's why I didn't have Thibel as an all-defense guy or Caruso as an all-defense guy last year. But if Simmons is gone, I do think there will be a narrative swing of like, wow, they're still great on defense even without Ben Simmons. And at first, our instinct is going to be, wow, Joel Embiid is great. But then afterward, you just know there are going to be the think pieces of like, well, actually, and yeah. here's Matisse Thibel. And there, somebody will write a big 5,000-word feature and there'll be a bunch of video clips showing how great he is. And I think there's a like, 
at the odds you're getting, I think there's a slim chance of that. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, to me, actually, Joel Embiid at points bet is 14 to 1 right now. And Embiid falls under my Anthony Davis category of I just can't bet him to stay healthy enough to convince myself into it. However, I, I wanted to bet Embiid for Defensive Player of the Year late last season before it was clear that Gobert was just going to run away with it when Utah was so good. But I do think that I could see the narrative of Joel Embiid is awesome again. He's a per-minute most valuable player candidate, but boy, he just always misses those 25 games. But let's give him Defensive Player of the Year instead. like Almost like the consolation prize of like, well... We, you can't be valuable enough to win MVP if you're not out there enough. But we don't really have that standard for defensive player of the year. And Joel Embiid is awesome. Let's give him the award. 14 didn't to Kawhi 1. Win, I don't hate the shot there. Didn't Kawhi win defensive player of the year playing like 50 something games one year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's, I'm it's, looking it's, this up right now. Yeah, um, it's, it's fully a reputation award. Like, we don't, we don't know how to judge defense, and no one really watches it closely enough. I, I don't either. I don't want to be. A, I don't want to vote for this award. I, I want a ballot to vote for all the other awards. If I'm given this ballot, I've got a lot of homework to do before I turn my ballot in. Like, it's hard to understand defense. It's hard to isolate individual from team defense. You know, we're talking about Embiid and Simmons and Thibel. Who, who stands out? Who's the best defender? It, it's all of them. It's the whole thing. So it's tough. The other name that while you're looking, the other name that I think is interesting is Bam Adebayo. Uh, we talked on the last podcast just about my hopes for Miami. So I think he's a guy that, you know, everyone loves him. Everyone loves his work ethic. He's 14 to one as well at DraftKings. I would like him a lot. I think that he makes sense, except why would I bet that when I can just bet Draymond instead at apparently three times the odds, which is absurd. <laughs> well, Kawhi won it with 64 games in 2015 when Draymond played 79. I think if we could do that over, we would give Draymond that award. But my point is you're right you can win defensive player of the year missing 15, 20 games. It's totally yeah. possible. We only, I think it's because valuable is in the, the name of the award with MVP <laughs> that we really do tend to like quantify it more. Whereas, and I've done this with rookie of the year, by the way, technically rookie of the year is not most valuable rookie. So that's why I felt comfortable picking Joel Embiid the year he played 30 games. He was the best rookie. It's not most yeah. valuable rookie. So I do think that there, that is a valid argument. I don't know if voters are thinking that intensely about it. But that argument is out there. As far as Bam goes, I think he's a more valuable playoff defender than he is a regular season defender. Yeah, right? Like true. the argument for Rudy Gobert is like in the regular season, he is a defense unto himself. Right? Like yeah. you get to have everybody stay at home on shooters because you have Rudy Gobert at the basket. I don't think there's any other rim protector that's like that, except maybe Miles Turner to an extent. The things that Bam does, they're more valuable in the playoffs, which is like yeah. Just a higher level of basketball when you're playing against better players. Rudy gets a little bit worse in the playoffs. I think it's a little overblown, but I would rather have Bam Adebayo defensively in the playoffs than this isn't the playoff award. Yeah, I agree. That, that's a very good counterpoint, and I will I will leave my Bam case behind and just add on to my Draymond case. But uh, you brought up Rookie of the Year. Should we go to Rookie of the yes, Year? Because I, I think we agree on two guys on this one, and that's the conversation. Well, I have, I've got a number here, just in case any of you want to bet on Evan Mobley, or I've seen Shengun get some good odds. 13 of the last 16 Rookie of the Years have been perimeter players. Carl Anthony wow. Towns, Blake Griffin, and then you have to go all the way back to a Mecca Okafor. This wow. is going to be a ball handler. Yeah. It is going to be a ball handler, and a top three pick has won six of the last seven Rookie of the Year awards, which makes sense because... 
those are the best guys. And those are the guys that are guaranteed to get big playing time. They're going to a bad team. They're going to get into a high usage role and selection bias means they're going to keep getting minutes. Even if they're not very good, they're going to keep like, look at Anthony Edwards. He was terrible last season early. He improved a lot because he got time to get there because yeah, they had to, the Timberwolves were losing anyway. Why wouldn't you play Anthony Edwards? So don't bet on Evan Mobley. Part of the problem is not that these guys need to be handlers. Part of the problem to me with Evan Mobley is he needs handlers and he's not going to get it necessarily in Cleveland. Like you, it's the same thing we talked about with Anthony Davis and with Carl Anthony Towns. You are a secondary player. If you aren't the handler and the guy creating, you are reliant on the other people on your team to get you involved and set you up. And I don't want to rely on Cleveland to win me a rookie of the year award. I do like that they brought in Rubio there. I think that's going to be helpful for Mobley's, uh, for his growth curve, but it, it's a long arc for him. Uh, I love Evan Mobley. I strong considered him as the top of my draft board this year. I don't love Evan Mobley. I don't want him at all for rookie of the year. He needs to add strength. I, I think that he's going to be a guy that for a year or two, people are like, holy cow, did the Cavs miss on that? And I don't think they did. I love Mobley. I just think that it's going to take some time and they're going to need to get the right talent around him because, you know, I, I, I see an Anthony Davis sort of scenario for him where, you know, it's, I, I'm already starting to wonder about what, what team Mobley will be on next just, just to see where he'll be good again. So Mobley is a top three pick. If he's not going to win it, the other two top three picks that should win it is Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green. This is the fight for the ages. John Wall is is apparently on his way out as of earlier today. And so I, I saw some books, Jalen Green has dropped now to even odds with Cunningham. So you got to pick one. Who's who's your pick, Cade or Jalen? I'm picking Cade because I think they're both going to put up numbers, but I think Cade is a significantly more polished player. So if you figure the numbers are relatively even, you just know the Twitter intelligentsia is going to be like, well, actually, here are all of the in invisible ways that Cade helps. He's going to be a better defender. I think he's going to be a better defender early on, but Jalen has room to grow there. So I feel like last year we went through this with Tyrese Halliburton, where he wasn't actually going to win the award, but he was the most valuable rookie as far as like if you put him on a winning team, he was going to be able to contribute immediately. Cade is the rare rookie of the year candidate that I think checks both boxes, where the numbers are going to be yeah. there and the like, here's a Twitter clip of him playing great help defense or something, right? Like, I don't think Jalen is going to have those things. So I think there's going to be a real push from like a certain segment of the media. That's like, no, one of these guys is actually like a winning player right now. And it's Cade. Yeah, I agree. And I think too, that Jalen green, you know, he looked awesome at summer league. Definitely the, the, the way that his, his growth curve has gone from the start of the G league bubble to the end of it a month later, and then to what we saw in summer league, which was what, like four months later, this dude is figuring things out in a hurry. And he, he screams superstar. When you watch it, you just see a guy that's going to be on highlights and he's going to be on interviews and like he way more than Cade Cunningham. Cade is understated. He's not a guy that's going to be super flashy. Jalen green to me is the Anthony Edwards this year. He's going to have the monster highlights He's going to score 40-some game. The problem is I think he's going to really run hot and cold. And I don't see Jalen putting up much peripheral stats. I don't see 
Like his passing is decent, but I don't know that he's going to get a ton of handling. Certainly a little better with John Wall out of there. But I think that we're going to get Jalen Green scoring a 40-some night. But then on a different night, the shots aren't falling. It's a little too physical. And he scores like five points with a rebound and no assists. And that's the line. Cade's not going to have those nights. Like Cade's off night is going to be like 12 points, six rebounds, and four assists. That's going to be a bad night for Cunningham because his floor is so high. And and Matt Moore laughed me off of our podcast for making this point, but I fully believe it. For rookie of the year, the way that the model shapes up over time is if you just add up their points, rebounds, and assists per game, that's who the rookie of the year is. Almost always, whoever that's, leads in all three That's the Tyreek Evans case, essentially. Absolutely. And to me, that's, a, that's an area where Cade can separate himself from Jalen Green because even if the shot's not falling for Cade, he can score other ways, whereas Jalen Green isn't quite as rounded, I think, yet in some ways. And more so is that even if the shot's not falling, Cade's going to impact the game on other ways. He's going to rebound well. He's a great positional rebounder, and he's big. He's going to get assists. His guys have to make shots for him, but it's not like the Rockets have a lot more shot makers either. So I think Cade is going to get you know, his four, five, six, seven assist games. He's going to have triple doubles this year because that's the sort of player that he's built to be. He's going to be a defender, which is not going to be a number, but it's going to show up in all the, the metrics and the advanced stuff that we like to look at. Jalen Green's advanced metrics are going to be terrible because that's what the archetype is. It's going to take some time. Like even if he turns into the next great shooting guard, those guys don't really get there. Like from a value standpoint on you know, the Vorps and Schwarp stats of the world until like year five or six out there. So that's not what we give rookie of the year for, but if it's close, I think that those things tend to sway us in one direction. So Kate is at plus 250 at books right now. So uh, using the action network implied calculator, that's an implied 29% odds of winning. I, I honestly think that's going to be a minus number for Christmas. I think that this is Cade's award and always was going to be. I do feel like Green has a better case now. I think Wall being gone potentially is very helpful for him. But even still, Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood are going to soak up a lot of usage and shots. And I just think that the numbers are going to run hot and cold. I, I think Green will be the buzzier guy. I think he's the guy people will want to talk about. And, you know, the same with Anthony Edwards. We're going to get that second half push and a strong finish and like, hey, wait a minute. Are we sure Kate is the the rookie of the year? Are we sure it's not Jalen? Look at this highlight dunk again. And I, I just feel much better about Cade. Let, let me ask this. So I have I one see, more guy I want to throw out there, but go well, ahead. This, this goes with those two guys, though. I, I, I honestly couldn't even come up with who my other guy is. So I want to hear yours in a second. But what if you want to make this bet? Cade is at plus 250. You can play Jalen Green at plus 300. What if I just want to be safe and just make a little bit of money and I just play both of them? I can play Cade and Jalen, play the same amount on both of them, and I'm getting plus odds on Cade plus Jalen against the field. I'm If either one of those guys wins, I earn money. Not as much as if I pick the right one, but if I just want to bank a little bit of money, why not just play Cade and Jalen and just say, go ahead, you take the field, one of my two is going to win. I have no arguments with that whatsoever. I do that pretty frequently in the playoffs. I did it at a huge volume with the Raptors and Bucks in 2019. Ended up winning on that. Like, I think in general, that's a pretty smart strategy. If the odds so are I, there. I think, 
yeah, I think it works for this one just because like, I genuinely don't know who else to come up with. Uh, the other names I tried to get there and didn't. So I'm curious if this, if either of these two is yours, Jalen Suggs to me would probably be my third pick, but the odds aren't close enough to matter. Josh Giddy is the other guy I thought about, but I don't know he's going to score enough. Is either one of those your names? Yeah, Jalen Suggs is my name because I think he has, there is a scenario where he's the best player of the three in the first year. I think yeah, he's, I see that. there's a scenario where he's the most pro ready, right? He's going to be the best defender of the three as a rookie, I think. Maybe he has an outlier shooting season. Maybe one of these guys gets hurt. Maybe the magic are better than we expect, although I really don't see a scenario where that's going to happen. Like, I think he's, I've seen him at seven to one. I think if you play out the rookie, if you play out the season seven times, there's one where he's like really in the hunt. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I like Jalen Suggs a lot. I, I don't really have a case against any of that. Just, uh, you know, I'm playing the number and I would just so much rather play Cade at plus 250 than Suggs at plus 700. That's, I think if it were 10 to one, I'd feel better. Yeah, I think so. It's if the number were a little bit less sharp and I'd feel a little, a little better about it, but just some of these awards, I just feel so strongly about one of the guys with the number that like, I just think that Cade is going to be at a plus one something and then have a minus in front of his number. Like by the time that we get to the new year. And if that's how I feel about it and I'm getting him at implied 29%, there's just no way. Like, let's go back to the thing you said. If we play out this year, three times, Kate is winning rookie of the year one of those times and more than that every single time. Like we play it 10 times. Kate is winning three, four, five of the rookie of the years out of those 10. And if that's the case, then he's just not getting, you know, the odds are, are in our favor. Agreed 100%. I think we can move on to six man of the year, which is frankly the dumbest award. <laughs> Here are the last yeah. 10 winners with their points per game ranking among bench players Jordan Clarkson, first. Montrez Harrell, second. Lou Williams, first. Lou Williams, first. Eric Gordon, second. Jamal Crawford, fifth. Lou Williams, third. Jamal Crawford, second. J.R. Smith, first. James Harden, first. <laughs> Essentially, what this is telling you is that if you are the league's leading bench scorer, you have a 50% chance to win this award right away. <laughs> if you're in the top two, like one of you is probably going to win it. Every year, we go through this every year, where there's what I like to call the thinking man sixth man of the year candidate where we all know Joe Ingles is a better player than, Jamal, than Jordan Crawford or Jordan Clarkson rather, excuse me. Yeah. Well, Every Jordan year Crawford we too. that too. Yes. <laughs> Joe Ingles is a better player. He's in my top 100. Jordan, um, Jordan Clarkson is not, but Jordan Clarkson has to win because he scores more points. Andre Iguodala is maybe the best bench player of all time aside from John Havlicek. And he never won it. Like this never is won. ludicrous. It's crazy. So all we're doing here is essentially trying to figure out, who is going to lead the league in bench scoring? I've got a yeah. couple of candidates, but like, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I, I think there's a good chance I wouldn't pick any of these guys. Like if I were saying who I would vote for Clarkson at plus 500, like, sure. There's a pretty good chance. He does it again. <laughs> Tyler hero plus 2,500. I like Jalen Brunson plus 2000, just because the Mavericks didn't get the ball handler they were looking for. Those are the kind of guys you're looking for. Yeah, I agree. The The only thing that I would add that I thought was interesting as I dug into this, everything you just said is accurate. This award is ludicrous. Nine of the last 10 winners have been just a gunner shooting guard too. Like Montrez Harrell is the only one that wasn't. Otherwise, we're just picking the Lou, Lou Williams or Crawford of the year, which just happened to be Jordan Clarkson last year. That's just what we do. So here's here's why I think that it is interesting. 
Jordan Clarkson, he's the favorite, I think, now, right? Uh, yes, 500. he's by far the favorite. So Nobody else is in three figures. Lou Williams repeated in 2018-19 as sixth man of the year. The last one to repeat this award before that was Detlef Schrempf in the early 90s. So just from that, I'm willing to rule out Clarkson. There's a couple other guys on here, Halliburton and Dragic. Those are like top six or seven on all the odds. I don't even know if those guys are coming off the bench. Yeah, Halliburton is starting. That's why Buddy Heald almost got traded. Right. Like, I'm definitely starting Halliburton in Sacramento, so I definitely don't want him on this award. Like, spoiler alert, if you put your money on it and it turns out he starts, the book is not refunding you. You're just out your money on that one. And like Dragic, I I think that he starts or starts wherever he gets moved to, a.k.a. Dallas, eventually when he gets there. So, like, I think that when you look at an award – and three of the top six names don't make sense to you, then then you have to pay attention because that means that there's some value there. The problem is, I don't know who you come up with. The, the one other thing I found interesting on this award, besides the, the, that it's all gunners scoring a ton of points, they average, the last 10 guys average 17.9 points a game. But what's interesting that I didn't realize, nine out of the last 10 six men of the year were on a 48 win or better playoff team. And I'm counting pace for the seasons like the pandemic years, but I wouldn't have guessed that necessarily that, that, that winning would matter for six man of the year. And I don't think that we think it does, but I think that it kind of makes sense of like, well, how could you win six man of the year if your team sucks? And if you're that good, why are you on the bench? You know, I like think of Derek Rose when he was in Detroit, for example, and he was coming off the bench, but like, how are we going to reward him for a terrible team for just coming and soaking up usage? And it, there is a little bit of, of betting against that. So uh, th- that does make it a little interesting to me. Tyler Hero was a guy that caught my attention a little bit. Let me give you a couple other longer shot names that I, I don't really know. There's no one that I love here. I-, I-, I tried to get on Patty Mills. That was my guy I picked early on of just like, okay, we want a bench scorer on a really good team. And could Patty be Olympic Patty on Brooklyn? And could he just come in off the bench in that fast-paced team where we know like he's probably going to start 25, 30 games because That's all the guys are going to take, you know, they're going to take their, their games off. And could Patty just be like, he's another, he's a career achievement guy. I think he's a guy that we would love to have had one of these awards by the time his career is done. The problem with the argument is Patty's career high is 11 and a half points a game. So I don't know if he's going to get to 16, 17, 18, you know, he's not the youngest spry chicken in the world. So he's also not the best, like supporting shooter on that team. Right. Like right. if you could argue that he was definitely going to close games and get all these open threes. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, but Joe Harris is going to be in that exact spot. Right. And he's also not necessarily the best bench gunner either. Cause the rookie cam Thomas is going to like both of those guys cannibalize each other a little bit. If there's only a one of Patty or Cam, not that they're the same player, but I would like them as a sleeper for whatever award that they could win. But so, so that's not my sleeper. Let me give you a couple names. So you're the Lakers guy, Kendrick Nunn, 35 to one, Carmel Anthony, 42 to one. The Lakers need a bench gunner to come in and get some points you know, we cleared out like uh, Harold and Kuzma is 26 and a half points off the bench. That's gone. Uh, Mello averaged 13 and a half last year. None has scored 18 per 36 in, in the last couple of years. So the both of those guys fit what this team is doing. 
The Lakers have the same sort of thing of like LeBron misses a little time. Anthony Davis misses a little time. Some of these guys are going to score on, you know, those random nights off. So what do you think about either one of those guys and which one should it be? I hate that you just made me realize that Carmelo is going to be a candidate. He shouldn't be. He's (laughs) not a positive value player, right? Like part of why I'm so optimistic about Portland is that he's no longer around to infect their defense. (laughs) Um, He's going to put up points. I I think there's going to be such like if they're a 60 win team or something close to that, there's going to be a major push to get them an award. And like, as we talked about, Anthony Davis isn't a lock for defense player of the year. We don't like them for an MVP candidate, right? Like, I think there's going to be a real push, especially if like, if he's a good soldier about this and like, wow, Carmelo has finally has a chance to win his championship. Look at him fitting in with the team. Let's give it to him. Like, I, I'm kind of nervous about this. I think that's worth a little bit of money. <laughs> I don't Car- think Kendrick Nunn is going to be a real candidate for two reasons. Number one, I just stealthily really like Malik Monk. And I think like yeah. Malik Monk is as good as Kendrick Nunn, maybe better, but Malik Monk is making the minimum and Kendrick Nunn is making $5 million. If the Lakers want to make an in-season trade, Kendrick Nunn almost has to be a part of it. So I think there's a good chance that he's not on the team by the deadline. So that's why I wouldn't pick him. Yeah, that kills that one. Carmelo, you're, you're t- you might be talking me into this. He shouldn't win it. But as but we discussed, this exactly is not a sane award. Would. Yeah, this is yeah. not a sane award. Yeah. So, and also, like, if we're being totally honest, if you're trying to win the championship, Carmelo should not be playing a lot of minutes for you. But the way this roster is constructed – they have so little in the way of wing and forward depth. And LeBron is like going to want to play real minutes with Carmelo. Like that's what they're doing this for. Yeah. I don't know. Like there's a real okay. shot here. You're well, really onto something. Yeah. Tell, do me a favor here. I don't have the list in front of me, but I know you said the names earlier. No points per game, no years. Just read off to me. Skip Montrez Hale. Read off to me the last five or six winners of this award again. Just read, read the names in order. Uh, Clarkson finished first. Lou Williams finished first. Lou Williams finished first. Eric Gordon finished second. Jamal Crawford finished fifth. Lou Williams finished third. Tell me that late career Carmelo Anthony doesn't exactly belong in the intersection of all those players. (laughs) He does, and I hate it. I'm going to have to bet on this now. I don't want it to be the case because the best version of the Lakers is one where Carmelo is playing like 10 minutes a game, right? Where he's playing in like one specific bench alignment make some threes and can't hurt the defense. But like, man, you just know he's going to play 25 minutes a game and just yeah. get so much volume. I will say though, he did play with Russell Westbrook once and it didn't really go all that well. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, that's not the first guy to not go all that well with, with Russell Westbrook. Fair. Let's be honest. Um, so- as far as like a, the odds that you put out there, that's good money. You should put $10 on them. Yeah, it, it seems like another one of these Lakers guys that you're going to at least get the cash out chance. Like Carmelo is going to have that three week stretch at the very least where we're all talking about him and it's the lead on the jump. And oh my God, Melo, we left him for dead and he was supposed to retire. And here he is in Los Angeles, banana boat, you know, like we're going to get the whole thing. So speaking of narrative, the guy that I think is is by far the best actual bet for this award and I can't take credit for this one. Raheem Palmer at Action Network put me onto this play. I like it a little less now after the addition that will make sense when I mention it. Derek Rose. Derek Rose to me fits to a T what we give six man of the year for. He's going to be on a high profile team. The Knicks are going to win a bunch of games because it's Thibodeau. Derek Rose is going to come off the bench. 
he's coming off behind Kemba Walker. I don't love that now. I liked it better before Kemba was there. So there is Kemba and Fournier and Randall and Barrett. There's a lot of miles to feed there. But let's be honest. Derrick Rose is going to get his. He's going to score. He averaged 18 or more points in three of the last four seasons before this year. He was at 15 this year. And like everybody loves Derrick Rose. Everyone loves Derrick Rose, which they media, probably shouldn't, but that's another which they conversation. They absolutely shouldn't. It is let's exactly just leave it at let's, that. You can do your own research, listeners. Yeah. Go- Google it and understand what we're talking about. But the media, I would argue that a lot of the people that should be doing that research are a lot of the people that are claiming they have to do their own research on COVID vaccines anyway. <laughs> so just yeah, while you're, you're just doing that research, list. add it to the list and get vaccinated, folks. Uh, Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose has, he would have the the complete narrative in his favor as a Knicks player. I just think to me, he's 18 to one right now at DraftKings. And that number is half of that at a lot of books. So the the odds are disappearing quickly, but Raheem pointed out Derrick Rose and the light bulb just turned on in my mind of like, oh my gosh, this is such an obvious winner. And Raheem picked Clarkson heading into last season too. So I think this is the guy here. My question is this, does six men of the year and MVP get you into the hall of fame? I think he'll eventually get in just because <laughs> everybody gets into the hall of fame, right? Like yeah, we true. might get in. What, what, what's that thing that Stein got? Like the Kurt Gowdy award. Like we might oh, come get on that. now. Let's, let's give Mark Stein a little credit. No, we Mark Stein little, deserves little all the credit. Do. I'm just saying like, there is a 1% chance that we get into the <laughs> Hall of Fame. I'm just pointing that out. Like, everybody gets into the Hall of yeah. Fame. Like, right? Mitch Richmond's in the Hall of Fame. Derek Rose was better than Mitch Richmond. Get here. Well, so, so, so are both of us. Give me your NBA analog. What NBA player has the exact same percentage chance of making the Hall of Fame right now as Sam Quinn? Okay. Exact same. This is tough. I feel like, like, realistically, like, there is a chance that, like, I mean, it's a low chance. I'll just put this out there. But, like, I don't know. Like, maybe I turn into an insider newsbreaker or something and, like, I become the next Woj. I wouldn't think it's likely, but, like, sure, sure. I'll put 0.01% chance. I'm giving you credit. Who's the NBA player? Who, who's, who's the NBA player? I'm going to go with somebody young, like, Emmanuel Quickly, maybe? <laughs> like, is that, is that too good? I, no, I don't that's know. Too what good. Else, we, who knows? That's too no good. Idea. I've got to go worse. Um. I'll go Jordan McLaughlin as a guy that I think oh, is man. really underappreciated, but on the right team could like turn into a real player. Like, I think that's where my odds are. You're selling yourself a little short. I think I was going to give myself those two. Yeah. I, I was going to give myself like Christian Wood or something like, you know, that's like, a I, little much, but I like where your head's at. You know, let's give ourselves some credit. You know, we're, we're improving. We're moving up in the media world. We're doing good work. I'm giving out 20% ROI props. So, you know, like let's give ourselves some props here. Well, honestly, by the time we're up for eligibility, like by the time that's a real consideration, sports gambling is going to be so ubiquitous that there are going to be like gambling experts in the Hall of Fame. So I think you actually do have like a genuine shot. (laughs) Well, by the time that we're up for eligibility, we might still be recording this podcast. So (laughs) should should we possibly consider some of our other awards here before your listeners fall asleep? The last thing I'll say on Derrick Rose (laughs) is I think quickly is going to cannibalize him a little bit, but you're right. So that covers all of the awards, but I have two other things that I want to cover. The first is scoring leader. And this is the main reason I want to do this podcast because I am very convinced. Like, I don't think he's a lot to win. I just love the value. 
Zion Williamson. Plus I knew 1, it. I knew that was your yeah. guy. <laughs> so here's my argument for this. Last year, Basketball Index gave Zion a finishing at the basket um, grade of 100. Best grade in all basketball. <laughs> he did that with a shot quality at the rim of 12.2, which is awful. Let me just compare this to you, for you. Giannis <laughs> finished second in finishing, 99.9, but his shot quality was 82.6. Wow. So basically, Zion was a better finisher at the rim than Giannis, with significantly worse <laughs> help around him. Wow. Look at the team he has around him now, right? Like, you're subbing in Devontae Graham for Eric Bledsoe. That is going to improve spacing so, so much, right? Yeah. Jonas Valanciunas is not a gunner, but he's better at spacing than Steven Adams is. You know, like, Trey Murphy is going to help their spacing. James Johnson is gone. There's a lot of, there's a lot of reason to believe here that Zion is going to go from, like, one of the worst spacing infrastructures in basketball to, like, you know, decent. And if he does... And you would assume, like, general progression of a young player. He averaged 27 points a game last year. Why can't he get up to 31? And then look at the other guys, right? Like, we mentioned in part one, I'll just say this stat again. Every scoring champion since 2009, except for Stephen Curry, plays for the Lakers or the Nets. Those guys <laughs> are going to cannibalize each other. Stephen Curry might win it again. I don't think he's going to have to play hard enough to do that, right? I don't think he's going to have to play enough minutes. I don't think he's going to have to take enough shots. And then Bradley Beal is the other obvious candidate. We don't know where he's going to get traded. What if he gets traded to Golden State and he's taking away from Curry? Yeah, I mean, it's you made the case that like the case against the guys at the top, I think, is much easier than the case for them. And I don't disagree with anything you said about Zion Williamson. Look, we're on a what two hours deep into our podcast here. There is no funner bet you can make this year than Zion Williamson to lead the league in scoring. You are just going to like put your money on it. Think of it as like riding a roller coaster or going to a movie or like, like going to a great game. You're just, just paying for entertainment value. Like every time that you fill out a March Madness bracket and enter a pool, you know that money is gone. You know, it's not coming back, but you're going to have so much fun watching that money slowly move away from you. <laughs> like Zion, you never know. He is 28.8 points a game after the break. He's going to keep getting better. He's starting to handle even more. So that's more scoring opportunities. He's going to have a high floor because he's going to get like 15 free throws a game a lot, you know, most of the time. And he's going to, you know, keep getting all those freebies to keep the scoring up. So I like it. I, of all the guys that are 30 to one or lower, the only names that I would consider playing to me are Steph and Zion. Steph two of the last three seasons that he's played healthy without Kevin Durant, he led the league in scoring. And across those three seasons, he averaged 29.7 points a game. You basically need a 30 points a game score. Since 2014, all but one scoring leader has been over 30. So like Steph at six to one, it makes sense to me. Zion at 15 to one is just more fun. So I don't love the value on either of those. I didn't really find a name among those like favorites to mid-tier value guys that I loved. If I wasn't going to play this, I would want to maybe take a shot on a few of the longer guys. So let me give you three names with longer odds here. Kevin Durant, 30 to 1. Kevin Durant, the greatest scorer that we've maybe ever seen on a basketball court. I know we got to share the ball with the other guys. But Durant's going to do just fine. Like, have you ever watched the Olympics? Durant finds a way to score a few points. 
this is a guy that doesn't need a ton of shots last year in seven games where the three of them all played together with Harden and Kyrie Durant scored 12, 20, 20, 28, 31, 32, and 38. That's 26 points a game, but two of those weren't even really full strength games. Take those out. And he's 29.8 per game with Harden and Kyrie on the court. Kevin Durant, 30 to one to lead the league in scoring. The dude scores in his sleep. I think that's a crazy number. So that's one of them. At those odds, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have bet on Durant like without looking too deeply at him. But at those odds, I probably will. Exactly. Like it's not a name that I would have gotten excited about. To same with MVP. It's like Durant is just so good that it, sure it makes sense. And if the number is right, then you just have to think about it. And Kevin Durant to score a bunch of points seems like a thing I'm willing to bet on. Like until until he snaps more Achilles, which knock on wood, please don't, Kevin. And as long as he's out there. I will happily bet on him to score points. If you're giving me 30 to one, yes, please. So that's one. My other two longer shot and really longer shot, Paul George, 50 to one at BetMGM. I don't hate that because Kawhi Leonard is out probably for most or all of the year. PG scored 28 points a game that last season in Oklahoma City. And there's going to be a lot of scoring available there. So 50 to one. I mentioned that Raheem uh, was big on Jason Tatum as his MVP. Paul George is his other guy that he's big on. I don't like PG as MVP because I don't really believe in the Clippers to be good enough there. I could see the scoring though. 50 to one is intriguing to me. And then my last one, I know you're going to have a reaction on one way or the other. 200 to one at BetMGM. Oh God. Russell Westbrook. No, just, just come on, man. Here's the case. Don't, don't do this to me. (laughs) (laughs) Look, man, Russell Westbrook scoring leader and Carmelo Anthony, six man of the year, just parlay it and and laugh all the way to the bank. What odds are you getting? That's like 40 to one plus 200 to one. Like what are those odds? The the odds are you own the casino now. Congratulations. (laughs) It's Sam's now. Everyone has to come to Sam's casino. So here's the, here's the case. I know it's crazy. Over the last four years of Westbrook, his highest scoring average came the one year with James Harden. His assists dropped that year, but his scoring went up. We've seen Westbrook actually be a much better than expected off the ball scorer. And hey, guess what? Guess who's really good at finding guys off the ball and guys cutting and guys in transition? LeBron's pretty good at that. So Westbrook has led the league in scoring twice. Once when Kevin Durant was on the team, so he can score points with other talent around him. It's a usage problem. Is he going to get enough touches? Not on a normal night, but what about the 20 games that LeBron sits and the 20 that Davis sets? If it's not Carmelo winning sixth man of the year, it's going to be Westbrook putting up like a 40, 15 and 12 because it's like, Hey Russ, you know, we, we, it's in your contract that we agreed to give you 20 of these games this year. This is one of them. Go get your numbers, buddy. So 200 to one, it's crazy. It's very long. It might be a cash out. I just think that I wouldn't be totally shocked to see a one, one out of 200 times. Are you telling me there's a chance? Can you see it at all? Okay. There's a chance if LeBron tears his ACL on opening night, there's <laughs> your chance. That's, that's the scenario that has to have this happen. I'm just going through all of the points you're mentioning. Like, Oh, he'll find him in transition. Have you ever known Russell Westbrook to like leak out when somebody else is getting a rebound? No, he wants to get him himself. The Lakers don't have guys that are going to box out for them. Like LeBron <laughs> wants rebounds himself too, you know, right? Like yeah, that's true. in the half court, like look at what the Rockets did to accommodate him. 
the, the Lakers aren't going to trade for Robert Covington and play him at center, right? Like, I, I think you're making a lot of assumptions here that, okay, <laughs> at 200 to one, I can see why you talk yourself into putting a dollar on this, but no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Come on. I will talk about uh, Paul George, though. I'd feel a little better about that if they hadn't made the Beverly for Bledsoe trade. I just think mm. that hurts their spacing a little bit. Like, last year, the Clippers were maybe the best jump shooting team of all time in the regular season. Yeah. The spacing there is so considerable that if, if George's volume goes up, I do think the looks he's going to get are easy enough that he could put up huge volume. But, like, what if they get John Wall? Like, there was that rumor floating around today. I wouldn't feel great about that. I don't know. Like, I also just think, like, the, the Clippers know that they just have to be a play-in team. If they get into the top 10, Kawhi can take care of business when they get to the playoffs. Like, we assume he'll be back by then, right? Like, if that's the case, I just don't yeah. see them playing Paul George enough minutes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't. I have a hard time getting a handle on what the Clippers are going to be or look like this year. So it's, it's kind of a stay away team for me, just in general, because I don't feel like I have a good handle on it. But well, here's the yeah. here's the real scary thing: they owe their unprotected pick to Oklahoma City. Yeah. You remember what happened the last time they owed their unprotected pick to somebody? <laughs> yeah. Well, when is when has anything ever gone wrong for the Clippers before, though? No. <laughs> I, they gave up Kyrie Irving ten years ago, or however long ago that was. They're going to give up um, Chet Holmgren this year. (laughs) Uh, No, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be in the hunt for a, they'll be in a playing spot. I would think, Um, or maybe even the number six seed, but I I think that's about the ceiling. Um, So so while we're talking about Russell Westbrook here, let's talk about the assist part of the equation too, because Westbrook is one of the favorites for that one. And I think it's ludicrous. ludicrous. Yeah. Same word. Yeah. That's how that's ridiculous. Like you said it yourself. When he played with James Harden, his scoring went up or stayed mostly level. When he played with Harden, the the assists went down. And that's the same thing with LeBron. LeBron led the NBA in assists two years ago. Yeah. That's ludicrous. That's not happening. We can dismiss that. I'll let you make your case for James Harden, though, because he is the betting favorite. Yeah, so uh, Westbrook was uh, the year with Harden only at seven assists per game. He's double digits five of the last six years, but this is the Harden type year. So, I don't know. I, I guess... In our scenario where LeBron tears the ACL on opening night, then you probably want the Westbrook number here too. Um, but we're, 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 LeBron's not going to do that. So, Well, even if he does, you're getting two to one. You're not getting 200 to one. So here's a really weird thing that I noticed today. Westbrook, you're not even getting two to one. Like He's like plus 120 at DraftKings. I think he's plus 125 at BetMGM. At FanDuel, for some reason, he's plus 340 to lead the league in assess. That is a really weird outlier number for a player that's so public on a public Lakers team like that. Eh, I, I think so, that's just them realizing that he's not going to win it and just. Yeah, I'm not to. saying the bet. It's yeah. just it's it's a weird number there. So here's the James Harden case. So last year Harden was second in the league in assists per game. He just doesn't show up on the leaderboard because he didn't have enough games. He averaged 10.8 per game, 10.9 in Brooklyn. In the seven games I mentioned before at Durant, and obviously we're not drawing big conclusions on seven games, but here's the assists when Durant and Harden and Kyrie all played. When you assume that the assists are going to go away some because there's too many guys out there, here are the assist numbers, 12, 11, 8, 15, 14, 12, and 16. That's double digits in all but one of the games. Average of 12.6 assists per game, which is like, John Stockton, the score is cheating to give him assist numbers of assists. So James Harden as a minus number at a lot of books at FanDuel is plus 125. 
And I just feel like if Harden stays healthy enough, that's that's such a big number. And I feel like that's a pretty easy bet to make. My counter, I have a couple counters here. First of all, they use their mid-level exception on a point guard. And I'm not saying Patty Mills is like Steve Nash, but like Patty Mills is going to take up a couple of assists that could have gone to James Harden. They added Blake Griffin late in the year. And I mean, he's been a very different player in Brooklyn, but like one of the ways in which I would think that they would want to utilize him is pick and roll, short roll, kick to the corner. Well, Blake is getting the assists on those plays. Like if you just go up and down that roster, there are a lot of guys that can rack up like a couple of assists here and there. And that doesn't mean Harden isn't going to have a lot, but when you're talking about leading the league, like that stuff adds up. So that's my case against Harden, aside from the obvious Kyrie and Durant. But if you think one of those guys gets hurt and misses a bunch of games, the equation changes. Yeah. And I think uh, to your case, I think I make the same case you said earlier about the Lakers, which is, is your case really that, Patty Mills and Blake Griffin are going to stop James Harden from dominating the ball and doing the James Harden things. Like, let's be honest. If Patty Mills starts having too much of the ball, they're just going to trade him because Kyrie and Kevin and James are going to be like, get that guy out of here. We need our shots again. Like it's, I'm not really that worried that like, I, I understand the point. They have playmakers. There's a lot of handlers on that team. There are guys who want theirs. James Harden's going to get his, like if he's healthy and and like the he benefits from all those guys too, because when he is the handler, now Patty and Blake and Joe Harris and Kyrie and Durant, these guys are all just like waiting to hit open jumpers on that team. So I like Harden. If it's not Harden and it's not going to be Russ for sure, then the only other name I would consider playing is Trey Young. I know you're high on Trey. Trey finished second in assists per game each of the last two seasons. Uh, technically finished lower than Harden, but Harden didn't qualify. So Trey was at 9-3 and 9-4. He was fourth place as a rookie. So pretty easy case there, except that even finishing second this year, he was still 2.3 assists per game away. So it's it's not a small margin there. And the case against Trey, I think, is two things. Number one, Sharif Cooper looks really good, and I think is, is a great passer. And so I think that they can play Trey a little bit less maybe if Sharif is able to step into a bit of a role. The other thing too is that Atlanta is a slow pace. They were 23rd in pace this year. And I don't really know why that would change when it's basically the same team. So it's just a little bit less opportunities that way. But six to one for Trey Young. If you don't want to bet on Harden and you agree that Russ is not the right pick, then I think Trey is the other guy. There's no other names I could really come up with outside of those two that I that I really feel I could win. Yeah, I'd give Luca a cursory look just because he is the only ball handler on that team, but I don't feel great about him. My long shot here would be John Morant, who I've seen at 35 to 1, and maybe he's even hired other books, just because with Jonas Valanciunas gone, Memphis has lost its safety blanket, right, in the half court. Morant is going to have to create more shots this year if they're going to stay in the playoff play-in race. So I think at 35 to one, he's pretty good value too. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk myself into making a case for jaw on assists or points leader. And my conclusion is just that he's a little too far away right now. He's at 7.4 and 7.3 assists per game. The last two years, his career high was this year at 19.1 points per game. And I also thought, well, okay, here's the case, though. With Valanciunas gone, they're going to play a lot faster. They're already the number eight pace team. So it's, I, I don't know that the ceiling to get to, you know, the 30 points a game or to get to the double-digit assists per game 
it's it's a huge increase. Like it's literally a fifty percent increase in production. I love Jaw. That's uh, banking on fifty percent more is a little too much for me. I don't hate it at the number for for scoring. He's two hundred to one. So if you rather put your rust money on Jaw instead, um, and for assists, like you said, thirty five to one. Sure, if you're that long of a number and you can see it, it makes sense to me. But I think it's just he's a little too far away to be able to get to that top echelon of numbers. I think. I'm, I would say I mostly agree. I'm probably going to stay away from the assist leader in general, but I, w- I might throw a couple of bucks on Jod just because of the odds. You <laughs> said you had some division bets you wanted to make, right? Yeah, a couple of division ones that I just wanted to run through. So I, I am not really the guy to bet a heavy favorite. So, you know, if you want to win some money on the Bucks winning the division, then like that's probably better than your mutual fund will earn you over the next few months. So sure, you know, by all means, put in your minus a thousand or whatever that is. So here are the four plus odds that I kind of like. So one of them we won't say much on because we basically already made the case for and against it. Miami Heat is plus a hundred to win the division at BetMGM. So that's basically a Heat versus Hawks decision. The other three is the Hornets, Wizards, and Magic. So I think we can agree that in most scenarios, it's not one of those three. And I just absolutely want to bet on the Heat versus uh, versus Atlanta because of the coaching and the veteranness and especially the defensive floor is the big difference between those two. So I think you would probably like you know Atlanta at, at 125. That's my case for Miami. We don't need to relitigate that one again. Here's yeah, I'll add two. one thing to it. Um, I, I do think the reason that you bet on Miami, aside from everything you mentioned, is that they are less heliocentric. Because if Trey Young misses 20 games, yeah. Miami's out. Whereas yeah. if Jimmy Butler misses 20 games, Miami's okay. Yeah, and by if you mean the when Jimmy Butler misses Correct. 20 games. <laughs> right, but like, I mean, Tyler Euro can yeah. scale up. Kyle Lowry can scale up. Duncan Robinson yeah. can scale up a little bit. Like, <laughs> it's just easier to imagine them going 11 and 9 without Jimmy Butler, where it's like, Atlanta misses if if Trey misses twenty games, that's it. Like they're they're a yeah. playing team at that point. Yeah, agreed. So I, I'm I'm not usually looking to play a lot of division odds, except these are the two that had longer numbers that caught my attention. Denver Nuggets four to one at FanDuel to win the division. So Timberwolves and OKC not going to happen. So it's Utah, Portland, and Denver. I don't really believe that Portland is in that conversation. I wouldn't count them out entirely. I wouldn't be stunned, but to me, it's a Denver versus Utah bet. And it's, it's basically saying, okay, Utah had everything go right last year. And that doesn't happen two years in a row. Gobert has had injury history issues and played Olympics. So he's had a long, long season and typically doesn't have two years like that in a row. And so if Gobert is out for some time, that's a problem. And the Nuggets just have a pretty high floor, even with Jamal Murray out, because Jokic is that good. So four to one means 20% implied chance winning the division. I feel like I'd give Denver more than 20%. What do you think of that one? I disagree with you on the notion that everything went right for Utah last year. Like, think of all the games that Conley and Mitchell missed. I'm not sure they're going to miss all those games again. That was only Uh, down like the final month, though, wasn't it? Well, Conley had that stretch in the middle of the season, too. But Mitchell was mostly towards the end of the year. I also think their shooting just gives them such a high offensive floor. Yeah. That if you're making a bunch of threes and if Rudy Gobert is there, like the games that Rudy Gobert plays in, you're probably going to be a top five defense. If you make a bunch of threes, yes. you're probably going to be a top 10 offense no matter what. I just think I have a hard time imagining them barring serious injuries, winning fewer than like 
52, 53. Like, I think they're a lock for the over if they stay healthy at the very least. So what you're really hoping for then is that Porter makes a big jump and Denver can like really get up to like 55, 56 wins, which you've made the argument for. And I think there's a fair chance of it happening. I guess at four to one, it's decent, but I'm not really enthused about it. Yeah, that's fair. And I think I would say too, I'm not really enthusiastic that they would get to 55. It's more to me as a bit of a bet against Utah than it is. It's a bet on Denver and against Utah. That's kind of the angle that that I'd be going for. But your case for Utah is good. Their their floor is probably higher than I'm giving credit. To add to this, and I I don't know if I'm alone on this island because I don't think people are just giving it much thought. I quietly think like we are not making a big enough deal about how good Donovan Mitchell was in those first two Clippers games before he got hurt. What he was doing, they had no answer for him whatsoever. And when I saw that, that was just like, oh, okay. He has jumped to a new level. That, I mean, I think I'm mostly alone in that boat. I just don't think we cared enough about what happened in the first two games of that series because of what happened in the next four. I just wouldn't overlook that. I wouldn't accept, here's the problem with it. Didn't Donovan Mitchell jump to that exact same level in the Nuggets series last year when he went ballistic for two weeks? But The then... difference is he was doing that against, like, who was yeah, defending fair. him even? Like, versus, fair. like, the Clippers with Kawhi and Beverly and like they threw everything at him. They tried everything. They had just as many problems with him as they did with Luca. And like that, I think we should not overlook is all. Yeah. That's a, that's a fair point. I, I just worry about like, it's weird to me. I almost wonder if Donovan Mitchell is doing like the Dwayne Wade thing a little bit popular comp for him, but not that it's the same player, but the thing where, kind of saving it to bring your best in the playoffs, like a different scoring gear in the playoffs. Because if you look at the three-point attempts in particular, it's just night and day from a regular season game to a playoff game. And the times when Mitchell has been absolutely electric, unstoppable, are the times when he's shooting and making like five, six threes a game. And so I just, I fear a little bit that he's a guy who can get scorching hot from deep and then pour in the points, but then once that fades or once he's not getting the shots up, then he kind of goes back to still a very good player. But like to me, the, the huge, huge leap when he's absolutely unstoppable is as much as anything else, like incredible blazing outlier three point shooting. So that's why I'm a little leery about putting a ton of stock into like it lasting. But if he, to me, the number I would watch is a three point attempts. If the attempts go up like they were in some of those playoff stretches, then I'm a lot more interested, I think. And I do think that's more of a reactionary playoff thing. I do think in the regular season, defenses just aren't keyed in enough where like he can he can attack way more easily. Yeah, that's true too. All right, let me give you my other division one here. So this is a longer one. We talked about why we like this team. You and I both like them. Boston Celtics are 12 to 1 to win their division. So, so the now, argument there is basically Philly disintegrates and the Nets get hurt. I don't even know that I need Philly to disintegrate. I, I think Boston is good enough to be as good as Philly straight up. And the argument is Brooklyn gets hurt and or get, doesn't give a rip about the regular season. Brooklyn's entire goal should be finish as a top six team and have our guys be healthy when we get there. That's it. If, if Durant and Harden are healthy when the playoff starts, I didn't really care about Kyrie that much. If Durant and Harden are healthy and we're in the playoffs, we are heavy favorites. That's all that the Nets should care about. So they might be so talented that even with that attitude, they're still such a good bet to win the division. But 12 to 1 is giving Boston like a 7 or 8% chance. 
And I just think it's it's a very good team. I don't even need the, the Sixers or even the Knicks to implode. I just need the Celtics to be as good as we think they should be. And the Nets to just, you know, not be the 70 win version, obviously, that we talked about. But I don't know, 12 to 1 out of every 12 ways the season plays out. I think Boston is going to be in the mix and a bunch of them. And couldn't there be one of those times or a couple of those times where the Nets just really didn't care that much about getting the big wins total for the season? I think that's reasonable. I would just argue, I don't think people have appreciated enough just how well the Nets have insured themselves against injuries, right? Like if they don't care, they don't care. That's one thing. But like the reason they signed Patty Mills for the mid-level over forward is because it insulates them against like Kyrie disappearing for two weeks or Harden tweaking an ankle. He is the perfect supporting guard for when one of those guys are out. So I, I don't think the offense will take any meaningful step back when they're missing one of them. And then you look at the big man rotation. Like I think all of those guys present real playoff issues, but in the regular season, they have so much volume that like all of those guys can score. I think Blake and LaMarcus both looked better on defense in Brooklyn last year than maybe we expected. Millsap will be fine in a smaller role. Like I just think they're quietly so deep that I just have a really hard time imagining them winning fewer than like 55 games. Yeah. I think that's all a very, very good case for it. And I think you're right. There's just, there's so much talent there that even coasting through the season, I think that that's very likely, but you know, it's 12 to one. So I think, I think it's a long shot enough that it makes sense to consider it as an option, but your case for the Nets is definitely good. They're they're, they're going to be very good. (laughs) On this note though, what are the, what kind of odds can you get on the bucks having the best record? I don't know. Can you bet on best record in NBA? I don't, I don't know, know if, if you can. If you can do that, I would strongly advise looking into it because they actually will care about the regular season, I think. I think getting home court over Brooklyn is going to be very important to them. Yeah, I mean, I think it should be. And they should also make sure to check, you know, shoe sizes and three-point lines as well. Make sure that they got that covered for Kevin Durant next year too. I was just thinking about this last night. I actually wear a bigger shoe than my foot. I... Guess I have that in common with Kevin Durant, just not for oh. not not for the same reasons. No, uh, see, I'm well, not man, as practical we, we about it. Too I, low. You're not Emmanuel quickly at all. You're <laughs> Kevin Durant on the Hall of Fame scale. You promised me a free money bet coming into this. What is that bet? So I am not. I, I am very hesitant to use the terms free money, but I don't know how to look at this bet as anything but free money. Literally, all we have to do is bet on this player to stay healthy. At DraftKings or BetMGM, this is not available at every book that I've seen, but at those two, you can bet on who will lead the league in most three-pointers per game. And you need to bet on Steph Curry to do that because unless Steph Curry gets hurt and doesn't qualify, it literally is free money. Here's the numbers. Last season, there were only three players in the entire NBA that made more than three and a half three-pointers per game. Buddy Heald made 4.0. Damian Lillard made 4.1. Steph Curry made 5.3 threes per game. Like he is that, that is uh, like a 30% increase on the next guy on the list. He is lapping the field and then some. And if you look at the last three healthy Steph seasons, when Durant is not there, his threes per game is 5.3 this year, 5.1, 5.2. This is the proven track record is that when Durant isn't there, Curry just takes so many shots. He attempted almost 13 per game this year. Lillard was at 10 and a half, and we know how much Lillard shoots. 
it's there's nobody else. There's no one is going to beat this number. And Curry is minus 170 at DraftKings, minus 175 at BetMGM. It's free money that you only are betting on will Steph Curry play enough games to qualify to win. So you're betting on minus 170. Will Steph play 55 of the 82 games? If he does, he's the greatest shooter on the planet in the history of the universe. He shoots more than everyone else, and he's going to win this award. Is there any reason that this is not free money if Steph qualifies with games? I I fail to nope, I've got nothing. I think that's free money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, sure, he could get hurt and he did two years ago, but like that's, that's it. the only that's major the, injury he's had argument. since Kerr got there. Yeah. And, and like frankly, you know, he only played what like five games that year or something. But that's because the season was done. Like he could have played some games, but what, what was the point to rush him back? This Warriors team is good. So even if Steph gets hurt some, he probably will. He'll, he'll miss a little time, but he'll come back again. Like, again, we, this is not most three-point total. This is threes per game. He's going to be the leader in threes per game. It's just we need enough games. That's it. So I don't know how you over, however you want to build the bankroll. If this, this is a way, like you said, I think on your other on our, on our previous podcast 17 hours ago that I won you a lot of money on props that allowed you to blow it all on all of your other odds. So we just gave out 2 hours of like a 100 different bets to play, all of them losers I'm sure, but you're going to play them at free rolls cuz all you got to do is win all the money on stuff and then use that winnings to bet on all the other stuff and worst case scenario just come back out even and we're probably going to win a few things along the way. So that's what I would do if you can find a way to parlay. I don't know if this is parlayable there. Yeah, I was going to say, like, use it as an anchor in there. for, like, yeah. yeah. Use it as an anchor even for, like, football bets. Sure, why not? I mean, like, I guess the why not is because I don't really love my money being tied up until, like, April or May on this one. So on a football bet, I don't know if I want to tie up that long waiting for my my NFL bet to pay off. Um, but, yeah, it to me... It, it's baffling that this is available and it's baffling that like if I were a book, what would I make this line to, to not have it be a liability, like genuinely like a minus a thousand or something like I, if I'm a sports book, I don't want any pennies or dollars or cents. I don't want any action on Steph Curry. I would literally make a bet called most threes per game, not including Steph Curry. Go ahead, bet on that one. I don't want your Steph money. Like I can't, I can't afford that. So I, I don't understand why this bet is available. It's not obviously great odds, but let's, let me run the number quick here at minus 170. It's this happens with props a lot too. You see a number with a minus and you're like, Oh, I don't want to play that. I, I know he's going to get that one, but I don't want to invest my money. It's not worth it. Guess what? It's worth it. If you keep winning enough minus 170 means Curry has to be implied odds of 63% to win. Do we think Curry is 63% to win? He absolutely is. Like, All we have to do is hope that he stays healthy in two out of three seasons and we got the win. So put, put, put your money on it, cash out, get your winnings. And if it somehow doesn't work out, do it again next year because we're going to apparently get the same opportunity. And as long as they're going to give me the greatest shooter in human history on threes per game. I'm going to bet it. So thank you, DraftKings and BetMGM. 
Brandon, thank you. We have been recording this podcast since early August. Um, <laughs> go hug your family. Go like, I'm sure there's a search warrant out there. Like people are looking for you. <laughs> um, this has been a pleasure. I have never done a two-part podcast before, but you did warn me before we started. I, I we are both you. ramblers. And boy, did we ramble. Brandon, uh, wait, plug we, your stuff again. Where can people find your work? Yeah, we had a lot of money to give out to people. It takes a couple podcasts to give out winners sometimes. You can find all my uh, work at The Action Network. I am covering NBA and NFL full-time, so lots of NFL picks and weekly stuff coming to you soon. Please follow the Buckets podcast, uh, just the word Buckets on The Action Network podcast. I'm on our NBA podcast weekly there and multiple episodes once we get into the season. We've got fantasy coverage there as well. I'm at Twitter at Wheaton Brando. So please come along to follow. Let's win you some props money. Let's get you some more bets as the year goes along. And uh, yeah, let's, let's go get some cash. I intend to do just that. I get to New Jersey on next Thursday, I believe Thursday or Friday. And when I do, I plan to make a lot of money off of this podcast. So Brandon, <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure. We will do this again. Um, the next time we have two months of free time. Um <laughs> And yeah, I'll go like, go subscribe, go do everything you need to do to get people to listen. That'll do it for us here today. Um, we'll have another episode coming up soon, but until then, go make some money.